Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Lindsay. It is great to be here with you today. Uh, Whether you're here in the theater with us or you're joining us online or on podcast, um, it is good to worship with you. You know, one of the things that you may not know about me is that I am someone who really likes a good practical joke. Um, I love pranks. And a little while back, um, our family was in the middle of a prank war with some of our friends. Because, see, they had actually come to our house and done a really impressive job of um, pulling a prank on us. And so we were scheming and thinking we definitely had to get our friends back. And so it took us weeks to come up with a plan and to decide what we were going to do. And finally, we decided that we were going to surprise them with a yard sale. So they were going to wake up at their house on Saturday morning and surprise, they had a yard sale going on at their own house, right? And so we were planning this thing for a long time. Like several weeks, we were just driving. Anybody who put anything on the side of the road that said free, we just picked it up, right? So there was like furniture and like a big tube TV and like this rusted old muffler. Like we were just like, yep, that's good. That's good, right? We were scooping all of it, like just piled up in our living room, literally waiting for this day. And so finally, the day arrived and we had borrowed a truck from some friends and we got a couple kids from the youth group to join us. We woke our kids up, right? It was just like super early. I don't even know what time it was. It was black, dark outside. We put on all black clothes and we were like sneaking out. And so we drove to this house. We pulled up and we started unloading all of this stuff, just like sneaky, right? And it was, it was beautiful. We set it up. It was perfect. And so we said, okay, we're going to go to this diner and eat breakfast and just wait for our friends to call us because they would know for sure that it's us. And so we went to this diner and we were eating breakfast and waiting and waiting, and they didn't call. And so we were like, what's, what's going on? And so we got back in the car, and we drove over to the house, and it was beautiful, right? There were all kinds of customers there, right? Because of course we had advertised it online, and we had put out signs on the main road pointing. So there's all these people walking around trying to buy stuff, but our friends were nowhere to be found. So Ryan, my husband, gets out, And he starts selling the stuff, right? Because what else is he going to do? So he starts like helping with this yard sale and is selling. And I took a picture and posted it online and tagged our friends. And I was like, you're missing your yard sale. And then just a couple minutes later, our friends showed up and they were walking over. And I was just like, this is a nice yard sale you have. And they said, oh, this isn't our yard sale. We live over there. Y'all, we set it up at the wrong house. Like, I'm not even kidding. All this prep and planning, and we just, like, executed it terribly. Like, uh, how in the world do you do that and set it up at the wrong house, right? The worst part is we had been to their house, right? We had gone there before, and I had my phone with me that had their address in it, like, the whole time. I just was relying on what I thought I knew, which was not a good idea, right? That wasn't a good thing to do. I've been thinking about that story this week, and I've been thinking about us as a community, right, as a church. We gather together every week, week after week, and the reason that we gather together is that we want to be intentional about our target, about what we're going after, and what are we doing, what are we pursuing, where are we setting our stuff up, right? And I think that it's so important for us to remember that, because we are a community that is gathered around the person of Jesus, 
right? If Jesus really is who he said he is, if he actually came to earth and was crucified and died and then literally rose to life again, that is a God worth following. That is a God worth figuring out. That is a God worth pursuing. And we want to be people who follow Jesus and who are transformed by Jesus. Right now, we are in the middle of a sermon series about prayer. And, um, you know, we are focusing on prayer. And in, in part, it's because prayer is foundational. Prayer is, is a foundational way for us to engage with God. Right? We know this to be true. Whenever we read scripture, we can see almost just like a scarlet ribbon going all the way through from the beginning to the end. Stories about um, people who are praying and engaging with God. There are more than a thousand distinct um, instances of prayer being mentioned in scripture. Um, and I, I pulled just a few of them that I wanted us to, to just rather quickly go through and read. There's um, a verse in Philippians that's talking about not being anxious, right? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, to present requests to God. Colossians, encouraging us to devote ourselves to prayer. In Psalm 5.3, this, this cry, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you. There are more. In James 5.13, it's asking this question, is anyone in trouble? Let them pray. Right? Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone sick? Let them call the elders together and pray over them. The Gospel of Matthew talks about praying for who we pray for, including praying for people who persecute us. And Ephesians says that we ought to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of requests to be alert and keep on praying. Right, all throughout scripture, we see prayer just woven through the stories and the people who are trying to engage with God. We can know that prayer is a foundational way for us to engage with God, and we can believe in God, and we can follow Jesus, and still, with all of that, we can struggle with prayer. This is just universally true for believers, it seems, that we wrestle with prayer and with actually coming to God in prayer. There are lots of reasons that we wrestle with prayer. It might be that you struggle with prayer because maybe you've been disappointed in prayer. Maybe you've had an experience of unanswered prayer. If that's you, I want to invite you to come back next week. Pastor Kyle's going to be teaching about unanswered prayer. That's something that many of us wrestle with. It might be that you struggle with prayer because you, you feel unlovable. You might feel unworthy to even approach God in prayer. Like, who are you to ask God for anything? It might be that you struggle with prayer and that, that you've prayed a lot previously, but right now it just feels like God is distant and far away and your prayers feel hollow. Sometimes we struggle with prayer because we're busy, right? Like there's, there's a lot going on in our lives, and even if we believe that prayer is a good thing and we want to pray, like Netflix, right? Like there's good stuff on TV. It's like funny, not funny. It's true, right? There are all these things that we wrestle with about prayer. If you are someone who wrestles with prayer, and I think that is probably most, if not all of us, I want to invite you today to think with me about prayer. And if you are someone who does not wrestle with prayer, and if you are in a place right now where you are, are in, enjoying prayer, where you, you are delighting and recognizing like, hey, I found some goodness here. I want to invite you to consider prayer with us this morning. Wherever you are on your prayer journey, I want to invite you to start where you are and take the next step. 
Just take the next step, whatever that is, in prayer. And I want to invite you to do that, not because you should, right? Not because the pastor said so, not because you think God's going to be mad at you if you don't. I want to invite you to take the next step in prayer because we want to change. We, when we think about prayer and why should we pray, one of the reasons is that we are people who want to change. None of us wants to stay where we are and be the same people or be worse off than we are right now, right? Generally speaking, people want to grow. We want to move forward. We want to learn. We want to be better. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, we want to look more like Jesus, right? We want to to be more kind. We want to be more just. We want to be more merciful. We want God to transform us. We want to look more like him. And because we want to be transformed, I want to suggest to us that we want to pray. One of the things that we know about prayer is that God shows up in power when we pray. And when I say that, I am not only talking about miracles and signs and wonders. God does do those things. He does show up in power in miraculous ways. Praise the Lord. And also, God shows up in power when we come to him and we bring our brokenness, when we bring our fears, when we bring our hopes, our our excitement, our curiosity, our frustration. When we come and we bring our vulnerability to God and we show up, God meets us with the power of his love and the power of his grace. God shows up in power and in his power, God transforms us when we pray. God transforms us when we pray, right? We celebrate transformation. This is true of Christians across the board, right? We love that God is a God who transforms. We believe that this is true, that that there is no one who is too far gone. There is nothing that you could have done or had done to you that would make you unlovable by God, right? Everyone can be healed and redeemed and restored, and we believe in a God of restoration and transformation. At South Park Church, it's, transformation is literally one of our core values. If you go on our website and read about who we are, I think it's the first thing that we list, right? Transformation. We believe in the power of God to transform lives. We believe that God shows up and meets us where we are, and that he helps us become something more. It's part of what we believe as Christians. There are a few verses that I pulled that I want us to read together about transformation. The first is from 2 Corinthians 5.17, and it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. There's another verse from uh, Psalms 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And then Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I chose these three scriptures specifically um, because I think they capture some of the different ways and areas that God transforms us. So Romans is talking about God transforming our minds. And in Psalms, it's talking about our hearts being created new. And then in Corinthians, this is a a section that's talking about sin, right? Our action and old things are passing away and new things are coming. And so we have this area where, where we recognize that God works to transform our head and our heart and our hands, the whole of who we are and how we think and in how we feel and in how we act, that God wants to transform us. God is in the business of changing lives, right? So how does it happen? How does God transform us? 
Well, one of the ways that God works to change us and to transform us is through prayer, right? We get to participate in the transforming work of God in our lives when we pray. When we are praying, we are invited into a space of vulnerability. One of the lies that I think that we believe a lot of times is that you have to understand prayer perfectly well in order to start praying, right? Or that you, there's a certain way that you have to act or you have to learn a certain thing or you maybe have to know a certain amount about God or something, that there's a barrier to entry before you can be good at prayer or before you can start praying. And I just think that that is not true. It's not helpful and it's not good. But I think, you know, our culture places such a prize on being competent, right? That, that we think it's so necessary and important to be good at something that if we don't think of ourselves as being good at something, we often won't feel confident about it. And so we won't even try. If we don't think we're going to be good right out of the door, we're just like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that thing. And I think that happens even with prayer. And sometimes I think that's why we read plenty of books about prayer and we're comfortable making prayer lists and we talk about people who need prayer and we'll even go to classes and talk about prayer and learn about prayer, but we don't spend a whole lot of time actually praying. Because friends, reading a book about prayer is not actually the same thing as praying. And so I think there is an invitation for us in this to step into something of prayer because I think we can miss out on an experience of God because we think we don't understand it well enough and we don't feel confident and competent enough to step in and engage within it. Um, This week, someone from our church community called me and she asked if I would be willing to talk with her about um, like different spiritual practices and disciplines and things that I have in my life or, or that I've used over the past. And um, so it was great. It was really fun to talk with her. And one of the things um, that in talking with her, I remembered and I told her this story was about the first time that I fasted or that I really remember fasting. And I didn't know a lot about fasting. Um, I, you know, I knew that it existed, but I hadn't like learned about it or read about it or whatever. But I just thought, I think I want to do this. And so I decided I was going to try. And I thought, I'll fast on Tuesdays. That seems good enough. And so I thought, well, I think that when you fast, you don't pray. I mean, you don't eat. You do pray. (laughs) I think you don't eat. (laughs) And so I woke up and I didn't eat breakfast. And I got really hungry, like really hungry. And I thought, I think I better drink some chocolate milk. And so I went to the fridge and I got some milk and I just put like lots of chocolate sauce in it. And I drank chocolate milk. And like an hour later, I was like, I'm really hungry. And so I drank some more chocolate milk. And like I drank so much chocolate milk. Later, I went back and I like calculated the calories. I drank more calories in chocolate milk in a day than any normal person would consume eating, right? Like I was just like, I am so hungry. And I was just like drinking this chocolate milk. Now, someone who maybe would write a book about fasting or something might say, hey, you're doing it wrong, right? But here's the thing. I don't think that's what happened because what happened in my experience was that I started praying that God would make me hungry for him. And in those moments when I felt really hungry, that became my prayer. I started thinking about food and how my life revolved around food in a lot of ways with meal planning and grocery shopping and even having people over to my house. I'm always thinking, what am I going to serve them? Do I have any drinks? Do I have any snacks? Right? I, if I'm driving along the road and I'm hungry, like I might pull over and get a snack or a drink. And so I started praying and asking the Lord, like, will you make me hungry for you like this? 
Will you make my hunger for you such that I'll plan my days around it so that I'll be distracted and detour what I'm doing because I want to have an experience or an encounter with you? See, the thing is, I don't know that it's right or helpful to think of right and wrong ways of prayer or engaging with God. I don't think there's right, wrong, good, bad prayers. I just think there's praying and not praying. And I think that there is an an invitation for us to step into something of prayer, even if we don't fully understand, even if we don't think that we get it. If we don't really know what we're doing or have the right words, we just get to come. One of the beautiful things about prayer in the Bible is that most of the, the, um, the prayers that we read, they're not fancy, right? These are not liturgical prayers. They are not well put together and presented. I mean, there are some of those, but the most common form of prayer in Scripture, it is just simple prayer. It is people just pouring out their hearts to God, these kind of guttural um, cries to the Lord about what they're feeling and what they're thinking, just this honest opening up of themselves to the Lord. When we go to God in prayer, we don't have to pretend. We don't have to hide. We don't have to to try to conjure up some way of thinking or feeling in order to present that to God. We get to come exactly as we are and bring that thing to God. And we see that in scripture. That's why we see so many selfish and selfless prayers side by side in scripture. Because scripture is just this revelation of God working among his people. And we see this happening um, as people are growing in their faith. There was this one prayer that I wanted to read to you that I read in Jeremiah this week. And so these are God's people, and they were praying this prayer about some of their neighbors. And they said, God, will you give their children over to famine? Hand them over to the power of the sword. Let their wives be made childless and widows. Let their men be put to death, their young men slain by the sword in battle. And I read that prayer, and I thought, ooh, that doesn't seem like a good prayer. Like, if you're going to have good, bad prayer, like, I'd say, bad like that would be a bad prayer, not a good prayer, right? But then I was thinking about it, and I thought, you know, I think actually that's a good prayer in some ways because these were people who were just coming and offering what they actually thought, what they actually felt, and they were coming in authenticity to a God who they knew loved them and would receive them. C.S. Lewis says that we ought to, to lay before God what is actually in us, not what we think ought to be in us. And I think that's so helpful when we think of coming to God in prayer, because when we pray and when we are genuine in our prayer, the real um, nature of our heart, right, the condition that we are actually in is revealed. And that is a good thing, because we are people who want to change. We are people who want to be transformed. And so we want to come with the fullness of who we are and offer that to a God who loves us. When we pray, we pray for all sorts of things, right? We pray for God to show up in work. We pray for God to show up in our relationships, right, in our marriage and with our kids and with our grandkids. We pray uh, for God to show up in our health. We pray for God to show up as we're planning for the future. And those are great things for us to pray about. And we believe that, that God, through prayer, changes situations. And also, prayer changes us. When we show up to God authentically and show him who we are, God will nudge us and point 
point out these areas in our lives in which we can grow, in which we can be changed and transformed to look more like Jesus. And that is what we want. We want to be changed. Now, when we decide to pray, one of the things that happens is we are going to be distracted. Okay, it doesn't matter if you set aside three minutes or 30 minutes or three days or however long you are going to pray, your phone is going to ring, your email is going to buzz, right? Somebody's going to knock on your door, something is going to happen, or else something that you have put off for years is suddenly going to seem very, very urgent to you, right? Like your spice rack really does need to be organized right now, right? Like you really just need to figure out if all of the pens in your junk drawer are working. And so like these things, like it just like will come up and you're just like, this seems really important like right now. And in those moments when that happens, we alone get to decide if we will stay the course, if we will create the space to actually carve out time to meet with God, or if we'll pull away. There is an invitation for us in these moments when we create space to actually pay attention to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and participate in the work that God is doing to transform us to look more like Jesus. One of my favorite images of this um, is from Richard Foster's book on prayer, which is a great book, by the way. Um, And he talks about a tree and a tree that loses its leaves. In a lot of ways, this is kind of a common image that we are familiar with, right? And so it's helpful. And he talks about the leaves on the tree as being good things in our lives, blessings from God, things that we are doing in response to God, right? Um, But stuff that that would keep us busy or occupied. So, you know, it could be service in the community. It could be being with our family. It could be, you know, being active in the church. And he said that when those leaves fall off the tree, it exposes the condition of the the inside or the true condition of the tree. And the reality is that the tree has been in that condition all along, but you can only see it once the leaves fall off. And one of the things that we know about trees that lose their leaves is when the leaves are gone, the tree then puts its energy inward, right? It turns its sap inside and down. And, and this is part of when the tree, become, the tree becomes rooted and grounded. And this actually produces more fruitfulness when the tree then bears more leaves or more fruit. And so um, he was presenting this idea and this image of a tree as as reminding and encouraging us to pause and to create space where where we let the things fall away that would normally preoccupy us and to, to pay attention inwardly. And when that happens, we can have these transformative, deep encounters with God where we can participate in being transformed. The reality is, I don't think that anyone gets to maturity in their spiritual walk without some kind of intentionality in their transformation. I think that, you know, there is this invitation to pause and to pay attention. How is the Holy Spirit stirring? How is God moving in me? And this is one of the ways that we can do that. Um, I have a friend who, for the past several years, we have done goal setting together. 
And so every year, like December, January time, we get together and we talk about what we want to do for the year. And so we did this um, a few weeks ago together and we were just sitting at the kitchen table and we had come up with this stuff. And then I pulled out my planner and I wanted to break down my goals into months and into weeks and like make it like, okay, what am I going to do when and how am I going to actually make sure that this goal gets achieved? And I'm working and my friend was just sitting there and I said, well, what are you going to do with yours? And she said... I think I'll put it in a folder and at the end of the year, take it out and see how it went. And I was like, what? Like, I I just was like aghast, like thinking, what do you mean? And she's like, I think I'll just put it out there and see if it influences what I'm doing. Right. And I was like trying to get this death grip on my stuff and saying, no, 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 no. Like, I got to make sure that this thing happens. And I was laughing about that this week. And I was thinking about our different approaches. And I was thinking about how we approach prayer and how we navigate our expectations surrounding prayer and our um, engagement with Jesus. And I was thinking about this and thinking, you know, I don't know that either of those approaches is especially helpful in thinking about how we come to prayer. Because we aren't going for control, And we aren't going for passivity. We're going for something kind of in between those things. I read a quote by Eugene Peterson this week, and I can't stop thinking about it. Um, He said that prayer takes place in the middle voice. So I want to explain that um, to you, which includes a grammar lesson. And so in a lot of languages, we have active and passive voice. You may remember that from school or or not. Um, But in an active voice, essentially, um, the action that's taking place in the sentence, the, the, the subject is actively doing it, right? I hit the ball. So you are active in that. In the passive voice, the subject is passively receiving the action, right? So the ball hit me. So in active voice, you're doing something, and in passive voice, you're receiving something. Some languages have something called middle voice. English doesn't really have it, but a number of languages do. And in middle voice, it's kind of like what it sounds like. It's somewhere in the middle of those two things. So in middle voice, um, it's used where the subject is both doing something and receiving the action. So you, they would use it in something like washing your hands, right? So when you wash your hands, you are the one who is doing the washing, right? You are going and participating in it, and you also are the ones whose hands are cleaned. So you are doing something and you are receiving something. So when Eugene Peterson says prayer happens in the middle voice, I just was thinking about that and thinking about that. And I thought that is such a helpful way for us to think about prayer. Because so often what we're doing is we are actively going to God in prayer and we are receiving something from God in these spaces that we create to listen to the Holy Spirit and for him to transform us. And sometimes we lean too much on one way or the other. Sometimes we're too passive in how we think about prayer or approach prayer or don't approach prayer. And we think, well, isn't God sovereign? And isn't he just doing what he's going to do anyway? And why do I need to engage in this at all? Why do I even need to participate? We can just sit back and let it happen. And I just think that's not a helpful way to approach prayer, particularly when we consider that Jesus invited us to follow him. And there is an action in that, in following Jesus and in being transformed into the image of Jesus. 
And sometimes we might come at prayer a bit more like I did with my goals, or sometimes I do in prayer, where we want to control it a bit more, where we come to God with our plans for the future, and we say, God, this is my plan. Now bless it, please. Right? Or, or we're trying to, to figure out how to work prayer so that we can get the things that we want or that we can have some peace in controlling the outcome of it. And I think that a lot of times we get this the wrong way around. I get this the wrong way around. I have to keep reminding myself that God did not send his son, right? Jesus did not come to die and in order that he could follow us in our great plans, right? We get that the wrong way around. Jesus came and died and was raised to life in order that we could follow him and that we would be transformed to be more like him, not for him just to follow along with whatever we are doing. In prayer, we come to God, we worship him, we repent, we, we do all of these things actively, and we create space to receive the transformative work of God in our lives. We pray because we want to be changed. We want God to work in us. So when we take time to pray, what we're doing is not trying to become masters at prayer. We are not trying to conquer prayer or to figure it out or to become super great at praying, right? We're not trying to to do prayer the same way that we do math, where we can just navigate it and, and understand it. Richard Foster has this fantastic quote where he says that it's impossible to master something whose primary aim is to be mastered, and I love that because sometimes when we come to prayer, we, we get it the wrong way, right? And, and we're trying to do it right, and we're trying to say the right things, and we think we have to figure it out, and we think we have to know a certain number of things or whatever it is. But that's not the point. The point is we come in vulnerability. We come from a position of humility, not from a position of control. Because our primary aim in prayer is to follow. It's to be mastered. So we follow Jesus in this, trusting and believing that God can make something beautiful about the messiness in our inner world. We come to God anticipating and believing that he will transform us. What prayer does is it positions us to be transformed in our faith. So we come to God with with the anticipation that he will show up and that he will show us things and he will lead us into places where we can encounter him and to be transformed. Um, This past week, I was actually um, away. I was praying um, one morning, and I had gone for a walk. And I was walking along this trail, and it was like a a prayer trail that they had set up. And so there were these words set up in different places. Um, And there was this word like forgiveness that was on this tree. And I, I almost walked past it, but I thought, you know, I think... I think maybe I'll stay here for just a minute and pray. And as I did, and as I stood there, I just, into my head, popped this um, friction point that I had had with one of my girlfriends several years ago. And, you know, she and I had talked about it afterwards. We got together, and we talked through it. We both apologized. And I just kind of put it out of my mind and hadn't really thought about it much since. And as I was walking and standing in this place, it just... It came into mind, and, and I just thought, oh, I don't know if I've actually really forgiven her. And I felt like the Lord was leading me to, to repent, and to repent for, like, this bitterness that I had been carrying for a while. 
that I just wasn't aware of, that was kind of tucked down, that I had pushed down inside. And there wasn't some external thing that brought this up, right? There, there wasn't some clash or some big burning thing that I had to address in this. There was just something that happened in the space that I had created. And I had just said, Lord, I don't even know what you have for me, right? I just went and I was praying and I just felt like the Lord was revealing this area in my life where I didn't look like him, where he was inviting me to be transformed, to, to maybe do something, to take a step forward, to, to be changed because I don't want to be the same way. I want to look more like Jesus, right? I think who we are as a community is we are people who want to follow Jesus. We want to be transformed, into the image of Jesus, right? We don't want to stay the same. We want to set up our yard sale on the right lawn, right? We want, we want to be people who go after the stuff of the kingdom. And because of that, we want to pray. So I don't know where you are in your journey with prayer, but what I want to do is I want to invite you to take the next step, wherever you are in this journey of prayer, to just take another step forward, and so one, one of the ways that I want to encourage you to do that this week is I want to invite all of us every day to take 10 minutes, 10 minutes at, at any point in your day. And this is how I want to invite you to spend those 10 minutes, right? For the first maybe half of it, I want to invite you to um, choose a song, a worship song or a hymn, whether you listen to it or you sing it, right? But to some way of worship, of just sitting in the Lord's presence or of connecting with God in worship. And then I want to invite you to take just a minute, right, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, and to just sit in stillness and to ask God if there's something that he wants to show you, something that he wants to point out in your life or in your journey or something. And then for the last three or four minutes, I want to invite you to pray for those things if anything popped up in your mind during that moment of stillness. And if nothing did, then I just want to invite you to pray about your life, right? To pray about what God is doing in you. Just to take a few minutes and to actually offer our, our prayers to the Lord and just to see where he might show up. And with the prayer being, God, I want to be transformed. I want to look more like Jesus. So, um, yeah, I, I think that is what God is inviting each of us into. So may that be true of us. Will you pray with me now? God, I thank you so much that you are a God of transformation. Lord, I thank you that you came to redeem us and to save us and to transform us. And so, Lord, as we consider prayer and the ways that you are changing us, God, I pray that you would meet with us in these moments of prayer that we carve out. Lord, I pray that we would find in those spaces a soft place to meet you. And that you would speak over us your, your songs of love and encouragement. That you would speak to us of correction. That you would lead us on and show us the ways where you are working to transform and to change us. So come, Lord, we pray and meet with us. Change us and transform us as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.